BGFF. I'm Lauren, the host of the Good Gluten-Free Grub podcast. Living with celiac disease has required constant adapting, and I am here to share how I live and love my gluten-free life and how you can too. I'm excited to be your new gluten-free friend. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Good Gluten-Free Girl podcast. My name's Lauren and I'm your host. Um, I am already emotional. <laughs> um, I had a rough episode this weekend um, and I'll get into the reasons why. Um, but this episode specifically is a solo episode, just me. Um, it is a type 1 diabetes episode, um, an awareness episode talking about signs and symptoms and ways that you can test for type 1 diabetes, signs that you should be looking for in you and your children, um, how to test, what to look for, what tests to ask for, um, how long symptoms should last or what symptoms you should notice before you should feel like maybe there's cause for alarm, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I know a lot of you who listen already have type 1 diabetes, but I know a lot of you are also just following because you live with celiac disease or you live with another autoimmune disease that requires you to eat gluten-free. And it's really important that you know the signs and symptoms of type 1 diabetes. One, because it is not just a childhood disease. It's, it's an adult disease as well. Like I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 31. Um, And more and more people are getting diagnosed later in adulthood because autoimmune diseases are on the rise. Our immune systems are attacking us and we have a poor health system and food system. And um, it's just, you know, it's a great time to be alive, but it's also a sucky time to be alive because autoimmune diseases are on the rise. And I just, I had um, a series of events that kind of led to a full mental breakdown yesterday and I was planning on recording this episode before this had happened but now that this has like my my full breakdown has happened I'm gonna just like talk about it because it's a huge part of living with type 1 diabetes um so last week my mom texted me early in the morning and she just said hey I just wanted to let you know that um your cousin's daughter and he told me, she told me her name was just admitted into the emergency room at Utah Valley and she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. She's, I'm pretty sure she's nine or 10 years old. Um, and that makes the fifth cousin in my generation to get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, now this little girl who was diagnosed, she had, was diagnosed in childhood, obviously. And then I have another cousin who was diagnosed when he was under I want to say under nine as well, but then there's three of us who were diagnosed in adulthood. So um, my cousin, she was diagnosed first in adulthood in her early 20s, um, and she was like in DKA, diagnosed. She had had two kids um, already, so very similar situation to me, and then a few short later after that, my brother was diagnosed at the age of 26 um, and then me at the age of 31. So now that there's another family member diagnosed with this disease, I'm just like, keep telling my other sisters. I'm like, listen, you guys, I mean, they know the signs and symptoms and stuff, but so did I. Like I knew the signs and symptoms before I was diagnosed, but I didn't get tested for it because I just didn't think it was going to happen to me. Um, And so I just, you know, I had a chance to talked to my sisters and said, you know, you guys still have a chance of developing some one or both of these autoimmune diseases that I have and my brother has. 
And I just thought I would take some time to educate the um, you listeners on type 1 diabetes and um, what tests you can ask for. So I do have an episode. It's probably my second or third episode in season one, and it's my type 1 diagnosis story. And in that episode, I go more in depth of all of the symptoms that I was experiencing, what my diagnosis looked like, my hospital experience, um, and like how long I was living with symptoms and stuff. And I, I'm not going to dive into that here because you can go and listen to that episode to get more information if you'd like to hear my personal story. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the fact that type 1 and celiac disease are sister autoimmune diseases. So it's really important not only if you have type 1 diabetes to get tested for celiac on a regular basis, get the blood work done on a regular basis, but if you have celiac you should know all the signs and symptoms of type 1 so that you don't have the experience the same experience as me where you go months and months living with really unique um easy to push aside push under the rug uh symptoms that are related to type 1 and those symptoms are very much like symptoms like severe fatigue, exhaustion, sleeping a lot, peeing a lot, feeling really hungry, not being able to quench your hunger or your thirst, and just being irritable and tired and just feeling like you can't get out of bed. You can't get enough sleep. Like you're sleeping and you're napping and you're sleeping and you're napping and you still cannot function. Um, so it's it's your body's, that is your body screaming at you, <laughs> telling you something is wrong. Like our bodies, you know, we need eight to nine hours, seven to nine hours of sleep. If we're getting 10 plus hours of sleep and needing to take a nap because we just cannot function, that is a sign that your body is screaming at you and telling you there's something wrong. Now, I'm not saying that symptom alone is type 1 diabetes. It could be a lot of other things, but f- exhaustion and fatigue um, is very, very, very common. Especially in the later stages, once your blood sugar has been running high for several weeks up to several months, you are just so fatigued. You can barely perform daily tasks because you're just so tired. Um, so fatigue and frequent urination and peeing a lot, um, drinking a lot, being super, super thirsty. Um, now I remember sometimes it's flu-like symptoms too. Like it's easy, especially in the winter months that you're just like, I've just had this like long flu that I just like feel like I just can't kind of get past it. And this is what happened to my little cousin. Her mom was like, she just had flu-like symptoms and she stayed home from school for several days and she just was so tired and she was really lethargic. She couldn't get out of bed. She was just so fatigued. And I was just like, this flu is lasting so long. And then next thing you know, it'd been 10 days and then it'd been 14 days of this quote unquote flu. Like that doesn't, you know, unless you test positive for COVID or something like, you know, a flu should not last that long. Right. Um, So that's another thing to be aware of. If your, if your symptoms persist for more than a week and you're tired and you're exhausted, just get yourself checked. Now, something that I want to emphasize is, of course, we want to check your blood sugar. So if you are in a position that you don't have a way to check your blood sugar, which I'm assuming majority of you don't, um, if you know someone who has a, a blood sugar meter, a, like a test strip to prick your finger and check your blood sugar reach out to them and see if you can test your blood sugar. Now, this isn't going to be the answer to the do I have diabetes or not because throughout any given point of the day, your blood sugar could be low or high depending on the last time you ate, depending on how long, if you've exercised, if you've had enough sleep, if you're on your period, like there's so many factors that affect your blood sugar. Um, For example, when you wake up in the morning, that's considered your fasted blood sugar 
and you if you check your blood sugar first thing in the morning your blood sugar could be I don't know let me give you an example my kids blood sugar first thing in the morning is between 80 to 90 and that's normal me I have type 1 diabetes right and my blood sugar can range anywhere between 100 to like 150. Now that's not good. I don't want my fasted blood sugar to be that high. I would like my fasted blood sugar to be between 80 and 100. Um, But that's just not the case for me because my body is constantly trying to adapt and adjust based on my insulin needs, based on my insulin resistance, based on my period, based on my sleep, based on my stress. So like if you wake up in the morning, if you're having all of these symptoms and then you decide I'm going to check my blood sugar and your blood sugar is at like, let's say 110 and you're like, oh, I don't have diabetes. Like my blood sugar is in range or it's good or it's in, in a good window between 80 and 110, let's say. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't have type 1 diabetes. The best way to test for type 1 diabetes is to get your hemoglobin hemoglobin A1C tested. Now, this is your blood sugar over the course of a three-month period. So this is going to give you a more accurate reading of how often your blood sugar has been high. And if your blood sugar continues to be high for an extended period of time, that's going to raise your average blood sugar up high. And that's telling us, that's telling the doctors, you have had elevated blood sugar numbers for longer than you should. And that's a sign that your body is not producing enough insulin and you're running, your blood sugar is running high. Now, this is what the case was for me. My blood sugars had been running high for several months based on my A1C. So the A1C is what you want to get checked. So if you feel like you've been having symptoms, your symptoms are weird, your kid might be having weird symptoms, they're peeing a lot, they're drinking a lot, they're tired. Um, or like, let's say their vision starts getting blurry and they're complaining that they can't see very well. You're, if your blood sugar is running high for an extended period of time, it's going to affect your vision. Um, And it's also going to affect your pH balance. So you're more likely to get a yeast infection that won't go away. It's going to persist and persist and persist, even with antibiotics, even with creams, etc. Like your body, that's another like message your body is screaming at you that your pH balance is off and that's a blood sugar related thing as well. So just other another symptom to be aware of if you have had lots of yeast infections um, that kind of persist and then on top of that, then you're taking antibiotics. And that's also just destroying all sorts of other good things in your body, which I am avoid antibiotics as much as possible type of person because antibiotics have truly wrecked my body. And I feel like has been the cause of a lot of problems in my life because I just have been over prescribed antibiotics like all through my like young adulthood, teenage years, because I was chronically sick because I was undiagnosed with celiac disease. So, um, Anyway, that was a complete side note. So your hemoglobin A1C is what you want to get checked. This is the number that they're going to tell you, okay, if this number is above, let's say, like I'm not, I don't have exact specifics, but because I'm not a doctor, (laughs) just remember, I'm not a doctor, I'm a patient. Um, But for example, like a normal person's in healthy range would be like between five and seven. And even like seven is okay, but it's better to be on the lower end. That means your blood sugar is monitoring, your pancreas is functioning properly. You're not having high blood sugars. Your body is functioning more properly at managing your blood sugar. So um, after several months of elevated blood sugar numbers, your A1C is going to continue to climb and climb and climb. And then you become insulin, um, 
your body's not producing enough insulin. It can't bring your blood sugar down. So your pancreas is getting exhausted. Um, and that's kind of what type 1 diabetes is. Your, your type 1 diabetes is your pancreas doesn't produce enough insulin for your body's sugar intake, carb in, carbohydrate intake. Um, and so you have to start medicating with insulin. And that's why we give ourselves injections or we wear a pump that gives us medication based on however many carbohydrates we're going to eat. Now, somebody who doesn't have type 1 diabetes, they eat a carbohydrate, their body recognizes this carbohydrate, sends a message to the pancreas and says, this is how much carbohydrates is coming into the body right now. So let's squirt out this much insulin to help like balance the amount of carbohydrates that are coming into keep everything balanced. A type 1 diabetics or somebody who's undiagnosed with type 1 diabetes um, is going to have eat a carbohydrate. Their body's going to see this message that you've eaten carbohydrates, you've eaten tons of sugar, and it can't produce the insulin, necess- like the necessary amount of insulin or no insulin at all. And so then your blood sugar spikes. And typically when your blood sugar spikes, you feel like the side effects of a blood sugar spike, but then you're going to have a blood sugar crash. Now, a normal person's body is going to have a glucose spike and then a glucose crash. So if you're like looking at a graph, you're having like this line go straight up and then it's going to come straight down. And when your body's having a high glucose spike and then it's coming straight back down, when you're coming down off that quote unquote glucose high, you're going to feel a crash. You're going to feel like, oh, I'm hungry again. Oh, I need sugar again. Oh, I because you're you're probably eating something that isn't a well-balanced um, meal or snack or something. When we just eat straight carbohydrates or straight sugar, we have a glucose spike and then we have a glucose dip. And when we compare our foods, our carbohydrates, dress them up with something like protein, fat, fiber, we're, we're not going to have as big of a glucose spike and a glucose drop. We may have a little bit of an increase and then a dip, but not like a roller coaster straight up, straight down experience. That's what we don't want to have. Now, people who have type 1 diabetes, if they don't take insulin for their meals and they're insulin dependent, which means they have to have insulin in order for their body to regulate the carbohydrates and everything, um, when we have that spike, our body doesn't produce enough insulin to bring us back down to an optimal range. So we end up having a spike and we stay and we plateau. So then we stay high and our blood sugar just stays high, 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 high for could be hours, several, several hours, could be days depending on, you know, your hormones. Like your hormones play such a huge role in your blood sugar. Now, when your blood sugar is high in that plateau and you're up high for an extended period of time, that is what raises your A1C. So when I was diagnosed with type 1 and I went into the urgent care, they checked my A1C and my A1C was at 13 and I was in diabetic ketoacidosis. Basically, diabetic ketoacidosis can kill you. People have died from DKA. This is where um, lots and lots and lots of problems can happen. Um, We actually have a friend who... Um, when he was at university, his roommate was undiagnosed with type 1, didn't know that he had it, um, went into DKA and he died. Um, Just a college student. And it was so sad because he just didn't know that he had type 1. He was just living with symptoms and didn't know, just felt like garbage all the time, and then went into DKA and he passed away. And um, 
anyway, just really heartbreaking. So I just wanted to share what the, the symptoms are so that you are aware and what tests to ask for when you are going to get to your doctor's checkup, let your doctor know, hey, listen, I have autoimmune diseases if you have one already. And I'd really like to get tested for type 1 diabetes just to make sure that I'm doing okay with my blood sugar. Can I get my hemoglobin A1C tested? That is the test that you need to ask for. Yes, checking your blood sugar with a friend's meter or something can be helpful to track your blood sugar if you're going to be checking your blood sugar several times throughout the day to try to gauge like how high your blood sugar is getting from certain meals. And this is why some people wear a continuous glucose monitor. Now, when you have type 1 diabetes, a continuous glucose monitor is covered by your insurance because you have evidence that you have type 1 um, or type 2 diabetes. Um, But if you don't have either of those um, diagnoses, you can still get a continuous glucose monitor, you're just paying out of pocket for it at a pharmacy. Um, but this, this it's kind of trending now where people are wearing these CGMs because they want to see what food is doing what to your body, what foods are causing glucose spikes, how long is it taking for your body to come down off of a glucose spike, how can I change my diet, how does exercise affect my blood sugar, things like that. And it's actually fascinating. Like it's so fascinating and I've learned so much about blood sugar in general. Um, when we probably four or five months into my diagnosis, um, me and Jared read a book called The Glucose Revolution. And her Instagram account is called Glucose Goddess. Um, She's an incredible wealth of knowledge. She's a scientist and she studies blood sugar and she's worn a CGM for years and years and has tracked and done studies on how foods affect her, not even as a type 1 diabetic, just as like, no, sorry, she doesn't have type 1 diabetes. She just wanted to track and see what food was doing to her blood sugar. And then she's just done so many studies on the power of food and making sure that we eat foods in the right order and pairing foods and um, glucose hacks and things that you can do to help eliminate blood sugar spikes and um, anyway, Jared and I read that book together when we shortly after I was diagnosed and still to this day, we implement things that we've learned from that book. And um, I I actually have a reel that I posted about it yesterday. Yeah, yesterday um, on my Instagram, just kind of like an educational video of how you compare foods and what you can do to glucose hack, like hack your blood sugar from having glucose spikes, things that you can do to improve that. So um, just be aware of these things. The, the signs and symptoms are very important. Fatigue, thirst, urination, irritability, exhaustion. Um, if you are a female, if you're having, um, what is it called? Um, any sort of UTI problems or yeast infections um, and blur, any sort of vision issues, those can all be linked to type 1 diabetes. Um, and it is, you know, it's important that you get a proper diagnosis from a doctor and, it, you know, talk to your doctor about it, make an appointment with your doctor, your primary care physician, um, and let them know, hey, I have another autoimmune disease and I just want to rule out and make sure that I'm doing okay with my blood sugar because I know that there's risk of me developing other autoimmune diseases and ask one more time. I'm going to say it one more time in case you haven't written it down. It is called your hemoglobin A1C. That is the test you need to ask for to check to see what your what your blood sugar levels have been like for the past three months. It can give you an average. Um, and if it's elevated, if it's high, those are red flags. And you want to, you want to be optimal range between 
you know, five and seven. That's optimal range. So um, I hope that helps. I um, I know those of you who already have type one diabetes who are following, this is just like, you know, you already know all this information, but I hope that it, it reaches somebody who maybe has concern for their child or who would just like to know more about the disease. Um, and also, you know, how you can help or serve a friend or a family member who has type 1 diabetes because, um, you know, it's it's helpful to have people on your side when you have this disease and who understand like, okay, my blood sugar is high. What does that mean? Oh, blood sugar high. That means this person needs insulin. Okay, my blood sugar is low. That means that I don't have enough glucose in my body or my blood, I'm having a hypoglycemic event. That means I need a snack. A lot of the times people are like, I'm like, oh, my blood sugar is low. And someone's like, oh, do you need insulin? And I'm like, insulin would quite literally kill me. If I was low and then I took more insulin, like I could die or I could have seizures. Like there's a lot of important information to know about diabetes. So educate yourself. And, and if you have a loved one or a friend or someone close to you who lives with this disease, the more you know, the more you can help and the more you can be supportive. Um, and that's really, you know, kind for us. Like it, it makes us feel important and it makes us feel less alone. Like we're carrying the burden by ourselves. Um, so those of you who are diabetic, whether that's type one diabetic, type two diabetic, whether you have insulin resistance or whether you have PCOS or you have some sort of blood sugar related um, disorder or disease. And yes, PCOS falls under that category and insulin resistance falls under that category. Um, you should be, you should join the Honey Health app. Um, I am a creator on this app and it is a diabetes specific app and it is separate. It's off of social media. It's not a social media app. It's a diabetes education app, it, but it is a scrolling app. So you'd get on, you'd create an account, you'd create a profile, um, you answer questions about whether what type of diabetes you have, what type of content you're looking for, what type of education you're looking for so that the algorithm can feed you the type of video content that you need to help you in your diabetes journey. Um, I found this app in October of last year and it was life-changing for me. Like I used it as a user before I became a creator on the app um, for a while because I was just scrolling and I was every single video that I scrolled to, I learned something I didn't know about diabetes. And that's the unique thing about this app is like you go to your diabetes appointments and you have, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 minutes with your endocrinologist and then you leave. And then like if you need help from your doctor, it's like you have to wait to your next appointment or you have to message them and wait for them to get back to you, which could take 24 hours or 48 hours or something like that, you know. And so there's like this especially newly diagnosed children or parents of children who have type one kids like you are just like screaming for help when you are trying to learn everything you need to know and this is why this app is incredible because it is a resource for parents for individuals who live with the disease who need it because when I was first diagnosed I was absolutely utterly alone like it was so hard for me and um I just couldn't relate to anyone. I didn't have any resources and I still continue to feel very alone in this disease. Um, but once I found the Honey Health app and I started scrolling and I started learning and I started joining groups inside the app, um, I learned, I just started learning so much. I learned, started learning like hacks, things. I'm like, how come my endocrinologist didn't teach me this? Or how come I've never heard of this before? Or um, there were just things that I, I, 
you know, just hadn't learned in two years of being diagnosed. And so now here I am and I'm a creator on the app and my app is specific inside the app. My group is specific to type one diabetics who also eat gluten-free. Now that may, that's not necessarily celiac disease, just gluten-free in general, but then type one living and gluten-free living. So um, if you are a diabetic or a parent of a diabetic or a family member of a diabetic and you just want to be more educated, you want to have support, you want to join groups, and you want to have um, an educational app that can give you what you need to help you have all the tools that you need to manage your diabetes better, please join Honey Health. I will put the link for the group for to download the app inside um, the show notes here and I'll post it again on Instagram after I, this episode has gone live. Um, but this app has been so helpful for me and I just highly, highly encourage any of you who live with this disease or have a family member or a child um, to download the app and to just start getting yourself educated and learning more so that you have more tools in your tool belt. Um, okay, the last thing I want to talk about was um, my mental breakdown. <laughs> um, so I'm not a crier. I don't cry often. Um, and when I say often, I mean like hardly ever. Uh, the last time I cried, uh, was my type one, one year anniversary, which was November of 2022. That was the last time I cried. Um, and my second year anniversary of my type one diagnosis was the day that I launched my app inside Honey Health. And, um, my group. And so I was very preoccupied and I was doing launching stuff and I was getting really excited about that and amping up for that. And so I didn't like have room in my day to like have a good cry about my diagnosis. And that was great. It, it really, it really was. I'm glad that I didn't have a mental breakdown then. But um, yesterday, my husband and I watched the saddest show of all time. I have, it was just a heart-wrenching sad show. And if you have seen it on Netflix, it's called One Day. I had my guts and my heart ripped out of my body and I cried. The movie made me cry, okay? The show made me cry. And so when I cry, it opens up the bottle of everything that I have stuffed inside that I haven't cried about. And so when I cry, I cry about everything I've needed to cry about. And it had been over a year, well over a year since I cried last. So last night we watched the show, we finished it, and I sobbed until 2.30 in the morning, bawled my eyes out. And it was like the show triggered my crying, but then I ended up crying majority of the night over my diabetes because it's still such a sucky disease to live with. Um, and it's so challenging for me. And I have a really hard time, um, I don't know, like most of the time I'm, I've come to terms with the fact that this is my disease and I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. But a lot of the time I am like, when I really start to think about it, I just get really emotional. And last night was one of those nights and I just had to cry about all the things that I needed to cry about. And um, I have had a really hard like emotional time with the fact that I don't know that I'm not going to have any more kids. And that's really heavy. Um, a heavy emotion, a heavy accepting acceptance. Like I, I know that I can have kids with type one diabetes. Don't get me wrong. I know that that is possible. And I know that hundreds of women do it. And I know that it's possible. And, you know, even my endos, like we could do it. Like you could totally do it. You could have another baby. Um, 
But the amount of fear that is surrounding that is so much heavier than the thought of the joy that would come from having a baby. Like there's just so much fear surrounding the thought. And I I haven't gotten past that. I don't know if I ever will. And so last night was just like a really difficult night for me because I felt like I allowed myself to like cry and mourn about the fact that I'm like probably not going to have any more kids. And of course, I like have to have something to blame it on. And it's my diabetes. And it's like really scary um, thought. And I'm, I know that there's those of you probably listening being like, you can totally have a baby. You can do it. You can do it. Like, it's easy. I've done it. <laughs> but for me, in my personal experience, like I just I'm not at a place where I have enough faith, I guess, to do that. And even knowing if it's the right choice or if, you know, the the risks with the risks being there. I don't know. It's just it's a me thing. Anyway, um, so I had a good cry about it for several hours last night. And I just felt like, you know what, I'm sure that there's other people out there who also feel a lot of fear and a lot of sadness um, because of an autoimmune disease. So I just want to let you know that you are not alone um, in your big, big, big emotions that come with living with autoimmune diseases. And um, I'm here to support and love and to chat if you ever just want to vent to someone or feel like you need someone to validate you or someone to whine to or complain to. I can also be (laughs) your person for that. Um, So the bottom line of this episode really is to just bring awareness of symptoms and testing and make sure you know... um, Listen to your body, recognize if something feels off and don't let it linger for months, for weeks. If it's been seven to 10 days of symptoms of something that is unusual, whether that's type one or not, like listen to your body and your body's trying to tell you something. See a doctor, advocate for yourself, ask for testing, ask for, you know, whatever you feel is necessary and don't let a doctor tell you that you are wrong. Like you can ask for whatever testing you want. You're the one paying for it. You're the one requesting it. A doctor is not the be all end all. And um, I hope that you have the courage and the faith to advocate for yourself and find answers for your health problems and that those answers put you in a direction and a path that leads to healing and leads to a more joyful, fulfilling life. Um, Anyway, that's all I, all I wanted to share with you today. If you want to join the Honey Health app, which I highly encourage you to do if you have type 1, type 2, PCOS, insulin resistant, if you're a child, sorry, if you're a parent of a type 1 diabetic, please join Honey Health um, and to click the link in the show notes to join the app and get started because it is an incredible resource for people living with diabetes. Um, I hope that this episode was helpful. And I hope you will tune in next week for another awesome guest episode. I'm so proud of myself for having so many guests on. I'm like doing so good at having my pattern in, having a guest on, having a solo episode. So I hope you guys are enjoying that. Please leave a rating or review um, on the podcast app on Spotify or on Apple. It really helps the podcast get on the charts and get seen so people can have this information. Um, Anyway, I just want to say you guys are all doing amazing and I'm cheering you on and I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a rating and a review. I would love to connect with you on my other social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok. My handle is at goodglutenfreegrub.